Hi, my name is Jim. How are you doing today? I am so glad you're with us. I'd like for you to visit our webpage, babyboomertales.com. On there you can find all the links to wherever we put our podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. So let's get started. When I was a little boy, probably three years old, we lived in California, and I can remember our back porch, it was screened in, or kind of inside porch. And there was a big water bottle, something like what you would see today in office situations, except for the bottle itself was not plastic, it was glass, and it stood on a big metal type stand, four big legs. I can remember it. I can remember exactly how it looked. When I was three years old, I can still remember that. And I can actually remember playing around it one day and crawling kind of under it and stuff. And then I started playing Spaceman or Rocket Ship or something. And I remember sitting there and I must have been a smart little whipper because I can remember going five, four, three, two, one. And I pulled that stand back like I was taken off. And the entire bottle came crashing down on me. I'm not sure how many gallons that water bottle held, but probably five, maybe more. Whatever size those bottles are that you can get at the grocery store, you know, and take. The bottle delivery guy brings around to the office buildings. Now, water weighs 8.34 pounds per gallon, so 5 gallons would weigh almost 42 pounds, plus the weight of a glass water bottle, say that was 4 pounds, that'd be 46 pounds if it was 5 gallons. Now, if it was larger, and back in those days, it may have been larger bottle than 5 gallons, but we're looking at basically 50 pounds coming at me minimum in a condensed glass bottle. My mom was inside with some friends playing bridge or cards or something. And she heard this crash. The floor of the porch was concrete. I remember it was concrete and painted red. I do remember that. She came out and I was just coming to... I had been temporarily knocked out and I was trying to push myself up and I cut my finger severely on a piece of glass. They rushed me to the hospital and the doctors told them that if I was just a little older, the impact of that bottle on my head would have killed me. But I was three and my skull was pretty flexible still and it flattened it out pretty much and they had to kind of make it round again. My wife tells me never to shave my head because I have moon craters on my head. But that's probably what was the reason why I survived was my my skull was still soft enough to absorb the blow instead of resist it and, and have a real problem. My finger, the very next thing I remember, I remember the five, four, three, two, one and pull them back. And the next thing I remember is the doctor taking the stitches out of my finger. To this day, I have a big scar right down the middle of the bottom of my, all the way up and down my large finger on my right hand 
on the palm side. And when I think about it, it makes it itch. And I can't close that finger all the way like in a fist or something. So I always have a reminder of that. But we all have scars. I did survive. I'm sure I freaked my mother out something terrible. Of all the things I did in my life to stress my mother out, that was probably the worst. And I was so little. Moving on, let's jump forward to when I was in fifth grade. Now, I try not to use people's last names on my podcast, but I'm very free with their first names. But I had a fifth grade teacher, and I don't know his first name. We called him Mr. Dobbins. And Mr. Dobbins must have suffered polio when he was a kid or something, because I can remember that he was a little crippled. One hand was kind of withered. But he was our fifth grade teacher, and, and if you, we were bad or talking or something, he'd chuck chalk at us with his left hand, and boy, he could chuck that pretty fast at you. Well, I was probably a pretty rambunctious boy in fifth grade, and one day Mr. Dobbins announced he was going to change the seating around, and I was sitting clear in the back, and I kept pushing my chair further and further back, my little desk, and Mr. Dobbins said, okay, Jim. Pull your chair up, pull your chair up, pull your chair up. He got me uh, sitting right behind the desk in front of me. They said, now, Jim, trade desks with Stuart. Stuart, you come sit at Jim's desk. Jim, you sit up front here in Stuart's desk. And as soon as we traded, all of a sudden there was a tremendous crash. That old school had these light fixtures that hung from the ceiling. The ceiling is high, probably 12, maybe higher feet, and a big gigantic metal rod, and then a big glass globe that covered the light bulbs, and that glass globe had fallen and broken, and my chair was right under that before Mr. Dobbins made me move my chair up. It would have killed me for sure in a New York second. Years later, I think Mr. Dobbins only lasted one year at the school. I don't know where he went, but years later, I was 16, 17 years old, probably 15 or 16. I was walking down the street in town, and all of a sudden, I saw him coming, kind of limping along, coming towards me. So, of course, and I hadn't seen him since fifth grade, he had moved away. And all of a sudden, when we got up to each other, he stopped, looked at me, so I stopped. And he called me by name. He asked me how I was doing. And I shook hands with him. Had to shake hands with the left hand. And then he went on his way. I've never seen or heard from him again. I wish I could tell him that he saved my life that day. And I so appreciate him. I'm sorry I was rambunctious fifth grader. I hope he had a very, very good life. Because he was a good guy. When I was 18... In Colorado, and I don't know if they still have this, but they had 3-2 beer law where when you're 18 you could drink 3.2% alcohol beer and there are 3-2 beer places. And there's a new one about 10 miles from my home and I had turned 18 right before I graduated from high school. And so that summer before I left home, I was there drinking way too much beer. If you think you can't get totally wasted on 3-2 beer, 
you know, they're always fighting out need higher alcohol beer, but I'll tell you what, we used to get so drunk on 3-2 beer, it wasn't even funny. And of course, I got that way one night, and I met this girl there, and somehow I convinced her to come with me. And I don't know why teenage boys do this, but I thought that driving real fast would really impress her. And I was driving very, very fast. Down the hill, this divide hill it was called, and all of a sudden, I don't know what happened, but my sp car spun around a couple times. Freaked me out. I'm sure it freaked her totally out. She never went out with me again. I don't know why we didn't flip and go off over the hill in a fiery ball. I don't know why that didn't happen. You know, I'm not going to get involved with laws or anything, but for me, 3-2 beer was not a good thing. I was nowhere, no way, emotional or grown up enough to understand the consequences or how to handle that. Just about a month later, in Irving, Texas, a town between Dallas and Fort Worth, I spoke about the trip to New Orleans hitchhiking, and I was in Irving, Texas in the middle of the night, kind of stranded. Me and this other guy were hitchhiking to New Orleans, and a cop stopped and said, well, hitchhiking is not against law, guys, but it's dangerous out here. I had all my stuff on the shoulder of the road. It was a nice wide road. There was traffic back and forth. He went on his way, and my buddy that I was hitchhiking with was off in the grass or the medium looking for something, doing something. I'm not sure what he's doing. But I stand there by all our stuff, and I saw this car pull over the shoulder, you could tell. And they yelled over, hey, John, a car, we've got a car, we've got a ride. And all of a sudden, that car hit our stuff. Had it missed me by inches, if not closer. The force of it threw me back onto my back into the grass. And the guy never even hit his brakes. He just kept going. Our stuff went flying. I'm sure he's probably, maybe not, but aiming for me. It had to be a holy angel that pulled me back because I surely should have been right along with all that baggage we were carrying and going flying all over the road, all broken and torn and crushed. Makes a person think. Years later, maybe four, five, six years later, in the winter up in the mountains back then, you could get studs on your snow tires little metal studs they'd shoot into these tires and gave good traction I always put studs on my tires in the winter I think I had two sets of tires winter and summer it really made a difference I was going to Boulder and going the canyon way or the tunnel road it was called you go through these tunnels and down through a canyon that follows a river and one side of is a, a rock wall and the other side is the river and listen to this jazz type song. And I've never been a jazz fan, but I was listening to this and a little spaced out and getting into the music and going through the tunnel. And it was dark and the tunnel was fairly long. And 
into the music and into the music and into the music and into the music. And all of a sudden I came out of that tunnel and hit this ice. It was in the middle of the winter. Hit this ice. The river is on my left. A total rock wall was on my right. And a snowplow was coming right at me in his lane. And I was going sideways because I'd hit my brakes like an idiot, like I knew not to do. I was raised up there driving, and I knew it, but it was just a reaction. I, I knew I had one of three things was going to happen. I was either going to go in the river, going to plow right in that snowplow, or hit that rock wall, and who knows what would have happened. And those studs, along with my brakes, I stopped almost on a dime. I didn't slide very far. Saved my life. I had my buddy Dave with me and another guy, James. I'm surprised they let me continue driving on to Boulder. If I was them, I would have insisted that I drive. Man, oh man, I can't even believe that I could still see that snowplow coming at me. About three years after that, before I met my wife, I was working in a mine up there. The mine was one of the best paying jobs in the county. And this mine drew them from all over, several counties, plus the Denver area. Guys would drive all the way up from Denver to work there because it paid so well. And I was a mechanic. Part of your job was you had to go find these broken down pieces of mine equipment and take them back to the, get them going out there and take them back to the, the shop there 3,000 feet below the surface or wherever we were. And fix them up so they're worthy of going back out and doing their job. My co-worker and I found this transport truck, for lack of a better term for it. I can't really remember what it was called. But it was a, a cart that had a trailer that was strictly used to haul people around. It was clear up on a hill type thing, a big, big, long hill. And it was in the mine. And... So there was rock walls on both sides of you. It was totally dark unless you had your little light on your helmet going. And we got it going. And we were trying to back it back down this hill so we could get turned around. And all of a sudden it just quit running, quit doing everything. No brakes, no nothing. It just started going down the tunnel faster and faster and faster, backwards. I wasn't driving. I was riding, so I had no control. And I remember looking at the guy right in his eyes that was driving. His name was Jim. I remember that. Before I go any further with this, people get killed in that mine periodically. I had a friend that got killed in that mine. And I thought we were going to die. We kept picking up steam. But what he did, he was a very smart guy, the guy driving old Jim. He put her right into the side of the wall. And it threw us hard. And for days, my neck was stiff. But if he would have continued going, and we'd have gone to the, eventually crashed into a wall somewhere, it would have killed us. No doubt about it. I have no doubt in my mind. But by him putting it into that wall, and he kind of, we scraped along, but it, the, the force of it was, was amazing. He saved our lives that day, old Jim. Thank you, Jim. That's one, two, three, four five, six times I can remember that my life was in jeopardy and it could have gone either way. I probably had more 
that I didn't even know about, but those I remember, and they stay with me today. Some are not so fortunate. We all have friends and loved ones that things happen to, and very sad, very tragic. A lot of folks die way before their time. I know we all have to go sometimes, but I believe that we should be blessed with a long, prosperous life on this earth. And when somebody's life gets snuffed out and stolen from them at an early age, it is always such a sad thing for all involved. If that's happened with you somewhere, somehow, with someone that you love, I'm truly, deeply sorry. Always be kind. I'll be back next week.